Welcome to You, Me, Empathy, a safe place for leading with your heart. Hey, thanks for being here. You, Me, Empathy is the official podcast of the Feely Human Collective, a collaborative mental health community designed to empower each of us to grow our capacity for empathy, vulnerability, and emotional wayfinding. Just a friendly reminder that this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Known as just a silly boy with a feely heart. You can support the show by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts, following us on social media at Yumi Empathy and Feely Human, and joining the Feely Human Collective community at feelyhuman.co. And now your host, Known Wells. Hello, Feely Humans. Welcome to another episode of... You, me, empathy. My name is Known Wells, and I have allergies. Lots of them. Big old allergies right now at present. I am dealing with sinus, headache, maybe an infection. I don't know. But I've had a headache for a few days. My allergies are going bonkers with the winds and the heat and the dryness here in Southern California. And at the same time, I am so grateful to be here with you on this episode Did I mention that I'm the founder of the Feely Human Collective, a place where we can grow our collective powers of empathy and vulnerability and emotional curiosity? This is episode 214 of You, Me, Empathy, entitled, You Are Lovable, with Mary Heggie. Mary and I, in this episode, explore honoring both the excitement and grief of big life changes, addressing our deeply rooted limiting beliefs going through a breakup in a pandemic, and realizing our innate lovability. Uh, I'm going to take you a little bit behind the curtain on this this week because I was thinking about recording a special Valentine's Day episode, but aforementioned allergies and exhausting week, etc., I decided not to. And I was as I was listening to this episode... Uh, editing it for today, I I realized that this is actually a perfect episode for Valentine's Day. It's Valentine's Day. Whether you celebrate or not, um, I'll get into that in a second. The reality is this episode is all about why you are lovable. You are. You are lovable, plain and simple. It's the reality. There are so many things in the world, systems, internal beliefs, experiences, systemic inequities, etc., that can contribute to us feeling that we are not lovable, feeling that we are not worthy. But the truth is, and this is, there's no denying it, you are lovable. Just as I am lovable, just as Mary is lovable, you are lovable. It's because you're human. And um, I, I don't know what else to say other than that. You are lovable. You are lovable because you're A human existing in this plane of existence, doing your darndest, leading with your heart, maybe trying to make the world a better place, maybe thinking about this stuff. You're here, right? You're here trying to grow your capacity for empathy, or maybe you're struggling and you want to feel less alone. The reality is you're lovable wherever you are, wherever you come from, you are lovable. I'm going to repeat that. You are lovable. Do you believe it? Because it's true. It is true. And Valentine's Day is a day that, whether you're single or in a partnership or relationship, marriage, etc., whatever, um, it's a day that can make us feel uh, weird and icky. I know for me, it's not something that Jessica and I have ever like taken too seriously, other than you know her demanding a bunt cake out of me. <laughs> Or a seize box from time to time. Uh, I was kind of just kidding about the, the those things, but the reality is like it's it's a day that that is commercial and commodified, and and it's capitalism, and it's it's those things are uh, can be the cause of this feeling that we are not lovable, and um, so try not to let them make you feel that way. Try not to compare. Try not to like see the thing on Instagram and it's like, ooh, these pretty pink colors and the hearts and stuff. And that's beautiful and it's great. And I'm not diminishing that. And maybe that's not you. Maybe that's not me. And that's okay too. 
doesn't mean you're not worthy of experiencing the love of a day, the love of a uh, of a human, of another human, um, romantically or otherwise. You are lovable. You are lovable. I can't say that enough. So this episode is is about that, and it's about also big changes. It's about nourishing our roots in our metaphorical gardens. It's about compassion. It's about unearthing ourselves. It's about boundaries and creating boundaries at work and boundaries as a form of self-love and so much more. Really, really enjoyed this episode with Mari uh, or Mary. Um, I think it's Mary. Why did I say Mari? I don't know why. Mary. Hi, Mary, if you're listening to this. Hello. Uh, Before we get to the episode, though, I wanted to please, please remind you uh, to please, please Leave a rating and review for Yumi Empathy in Apple Podcasts. It does help out the show, truly. And I wanted to read uh, a recent rating, uh, review rather, from uh, Ya Chai. I think this must be Chai, um, who was recently on the show. Chai says, Vulnerability modeled so well. I am so grateful for Known being the feely human that he is. He makes it easy to be transported into a safe space like your favorite living room with people from all different walks of life. This podcast makes such a difference, and I would highly recommend it to all humans trying to figure out how to feel their feelings and navigate the mysteries of life. Thank you, Chai. I so appreciate that. Thank you for leaving a review. And if you haven't left a review, please do so. I'll make sure to read it on the show, and it does truly help out the show. Thank you. Another way to support me, of course, is to go to feelyhuman.co. Sign up for my workshops. I got an in-person one this coming Sunday, February 20th at RV to Book Company. There's about eight tickets left at this point. So if you're in the SoCal area and you want to join me February 20th at 10 a.m. at RV to Book Company in Tustin, go to feelyhuman.co, go to the workshops tab, click on Illustrating Empathy. That's the workshop. And the last thing I'll say is I have an ongoing check-in called the Emotional Check-In Series. Uh, We meet uh, again in about a week, and we meet all year. Every month, if you want to join us, uh, you pay up front for the year. It's a wonderful deep dive into our feelings and connecting deeper with other humans from all over the place. So if you want to join that, you can sign up for that at feelyhuman.co. And that's where the show notes for these podcasts are. So there you go. Anyways, I won't keep blathering on. I just wanted to say that I'm grateful for you. And a reminder, please, please remember this. You are lovable, dear feely human. You are. Enjoy this episode with Mary Heggie. Welcome to You, Me, Empathy, the official podcast of the Feely Human Collective. On this show, we explore the struggles, the triumphs, the brights and the darks we face as humans trying to get by on this wondrous and overwhelming pale blue dot. The intent of You, Me, Empathy is to talk openly without judgment about our mental health, our neuroses, our shared anxieties and worries to create a dialogue that is vulnerable and deeply human and empathetic and to share that dialogue with others to inspire emotional and cognitive collaboration and insight so we can, hand in hand, break down the stigma that make us feel shame and guilt for struggling, for feeling our feelings, for being feely humans. You, Me, Empathy is a safe, friendly space designed to inspire the beauty in each of us. Today, I am 
unearthing my gratitude because I'm here with the uh, adventurous unearther herself, a lover of painfully beautiful things and an integral part of the Courage Collective. It's Mary Heggie. Hello, Mary. Ooh, hi, Known. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm actually in this very moment distracted by a neighbor possibly using a wood chipper. So hopefully that doesn't come through the audio. Wow. Hopefully they're just using it on wood and not doing the whole Fargo bit. Oh, gosh. Yeah, let's hope. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm so grateful to have you here. It's so good to see you. Uh, We always kick off the show with an emotional check-in. How are you feeling? Mm. I feel pumped. I'm like really pumped up today. I don't even know. When I went to the coffee shop earlier, one of the gals was like, wow, you're like really chipper right now. It's like, I'm typically kind of a chipper gal, but yeah, something's like extra energy is definitely coursing through these veins today. Okay. Okay. Well, why do you think that is? I think I'm just filled with a lot of gratitude Mm. in my life. And I went through a lot of challenging times in 2020 and 2021 who, who didn't, but I feel like I have this deep gratitude for being alive and Mm. every day feeling like a gift in whatever way that comes, whether it's a challenge or something joyful. And I'm also getting ready to move to Austin, Texas. I currently reside in Seattle, Washington, and I'm absolutely terrified. I've never lived anywhere else except for random stints here and there studying abroad and things like that when I was younger. Yeah. But it feels like I'm about to just step off of this cliff (laughs) into (laughs) the unknown And I've really allowed myself the space to feel a lot of the fear and anxiety with that. I'm also planning on doing a little bit of like a death grieving ceremony from my time here in Seattle before I go. Uh, But right now where I'm at with the move is I just feel really excited and curious. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel grateful for this life. Yeah. What a beautiful place to be. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And congrats on the exciting adventure and the beautiful honoring of uh, recognizing that this is big for you. And with big, even positive, joyful steps comes grief. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think honoring that grief and holding space for it is really, really important for all transitions in our life because I think it pays respects to whatever that person or place or experience or time in life was. And I think allows you to then shift that to deep gratitude to bring forward with you to whatever the next chapter you're embarking on is. Mm. Do you feel like part of this, you know, move to Austin is aligned with sort of the growth that you've had yourself as a human? Yes. I love this question. I do. I I don't know how to describe this in a better way, but I feel like the last couple of years, I'm someone that's always trying to grow and improve <laughs> in all ways, but the last couple of years have been pretty profound shifts and recognition of patterns and addressing some very deeply rooted limiting beliefs about myself that were subconscious for so long. The dog. Doggy. uh, (laughs) Sorry, everyone. That's Maddie. Uh, One sec. Okay. I feel a need to do some hold music in case this is in the episode. Da, 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 da. Just doing some hold music just in case. This, oh, there you go. This part airs. <laughs> the, the joys of a 
an indie podcaster. This is the life. Yes. Interruptions totally. by dogs, etc. You were saying. I was saying. So I feel like the last couple of years, major shifts happened. And it was interesting because I started to feel I've grown up here. I have amazing friends here. I love the Northwest. It's such a beautiful place. But I almost started to feel like a sludgy energy coming in for me here. Mm. And I went to Southern California outside of Joshua Tree area, Yucca Valley in the high desert there to co-lead a women's retreat. And when I was there, I felt this massive, like expansive feeling. I just Mm. all of a sudden felt like, boom, like my energy felt bigger and I felt like, wow, there are so many people and possibilities in the world and ways of life and experiences. And it came in for me, maybe I need to move actually to a different state Mm -hmm. and potentially somewhere that's sunnier at the Northwest. We're, We're pretty gray over here. So something about that started shifting for me to around almost what intuitively was coming in for me was my growth that I've been able to do here is kind of hitting its ceiling. Mm. And for my spirit and soul to continue evolving, I almost need a new setting. And when I was there, I realized, wow, I feel like my life feels small here in a, mm. in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. And I'm needing more experiences and different ways of thinking and different ways of life to continue my own evolution. Yeah. Uh, I think that's profound. And I think it's something we are all faced with as we grow, right? And sometimes it it features a move to a, another location. And it always features uh, the grief of recognizing the limits of what you had. Uh, and the grief of maybe letting aspects or parts of your identity go a little bit. Um, that's, I mean, that's that's personally what I have found in my sort of expansive work uh, is this, the grief of like, as I sort of come fuller into my wholeness as a human and sort of dip into the sort of trenches of like what does what does true like community and collectivism look like uh there's a lot of letting go there's a lot of like people left behind sometimes too mm. and that's that's fucking hard very hard yeah, yeah i totally resonate with that yeah so you you reference this little retreat you want this is the unearth retreat yes So how did this come about? Tell me a little bit more about this. Yeah. So one of my good friends, she's a Reiki and sound healer. And gosh, when did she first reach out to me about this? I want to say it was winter or springtime, but she called me and said, I've been given an opportunity to uh, hold a sound bath at this cabin in Washington on the river. And I was thinking, wow, how cool if like I made this more of a retreat versus just a sound bath. And she said, I don't, I don't feel like I want to lead retreats on my own. So then I started thinking about who could I lead retreats with? And you were the first person that came to my mind. I Professionally, I've been in HR for 10 plus years and I've organized a lot of learning sessions and conversations and things like that. And then also I'm certified to do breath work. I'm certified to teach yoga. So when she said that to me, I was like, absolutely. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've led a women's group for a few years now on and off as well, focused on different topics. So it just felt really aligned and exciting, but also scary and intimidating. So we did that first one, which was awesome. 
and then we did our second one in October. That was the one outside of um, Joshua Tree area. And each time we do it, we typically have Reiki. I'm certified now in Reiki as well in level one and two. And then we do sound baths, yoga, breath work. And then we typically have some sort of outdoor exploration and adventure. And then we always have a theme or a topic that we're diving into for that particular retreat. Our goal is to do these once a quarter or once a season. We want to align it as much as we can to seasons. Uh, This particular season's been a little tricky because both her and I are going through some big life changes. So uh, hoping to resume potentially in the spring. So that's amazing. That's so cool. It's, it's, Something I aspire to in in sort of the feely human work that I do is is hosting, leading retreats, bringing others together to to do all sorts of deep work. Um, yeah, yeah, it's essential. What like what, you call this one unearth? Like, what does that mean to you exactly? Unearthing. Mm, yeah, unearthing to me means getting to the root of different things in our lives so that I view it as unearthing, getting into the the earth of ourselves, unearthing the roots of things that are are positive and things we want to continue planting and nourishing or unearthing the things that are holding us back from being the people we want or having the lives that we want, bringing awareness to those things. And then also taking those out, taking those roots out and potentially planting new things that we want in its place. Because whenever you create, remove something, you are creating a void. So mm-hmm. if you don't fill that with what you want to fill it with or intentionally are filling it, something else will typically fill its place. So it's really just having conversations and providing tools around specific things that allow people to get different angles into what are the things that are growing within their own personal gardens Mm -hmm. and are those the things that they want to be growing. I love that. And you know, I have a, a very vivid imagination. So to take this uh, uh, metaphor a step further, part of the, the, I mean, it's such important work and the, the hard part of it sometimes is the, you know, sometimes those roots are, I mean, it speaks to what we were talking about earlier. Sometimes those roots are maybe a little moldy mm-hmm. or they're, uh, they're the roots that have held us up for 30 years. Yep. And how do we face that? Like if mm. we remove that, like just snap of a finger, like how do we, I mean, do you guys talk about that stuff as well? More or less. And I think, I think the process of, removing roots that are, have grown really deep is not an instant thing. Yeah. And meeting people where they're at in their own process and really just creating a container where people can safely explore that and express that mm-hmm. because a lot of it's so my favorite thing is during these retreats, when people have these major aha moments and maybe that's purely what they needed to have in that experience is just the awareness of something. Right. Maybe depending on where they're at in their unearthing process, they really needed some tools of how to start to plant some new things. So really, it's just exploring topics, creating safe containers to have vulnerable, open conversations and providing some tools And then whatever aligns to someone, that's what they can take or not. And I think going through my own unearthing processes, 
even this example of the roots is so I had just some major stuff with that in 2020 and 2021. And I think it is, there is no defined time of how long something will take, depending on what it is. There's Mm -hmm. no right or wrong duration of time. And it's really just sometimes very small or incremental. Sometimes it's a major rip out. And then like, oh shit, there's this massive, like, what do I do? This is so jarring and different now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it depends. And obviously having as much support as possible, whether that's therapy or friends or um, whatever is aligned for a person. But yeah, I, I can definitely speak to this from my own personal experiences with things that I dealt with the last couple of years, if that's I would love to. Yeah, I would love to hear about that if you're open to sharing. Yeah, I would love to. So I, in 2020, obviously a difficult year, I was with my ex now ex-partner, but we were having some relational issues, um, fighting a lot. There's a lot of tense time, also a lot of beautiful, positive time too, but it was just a a difficult time of a lot of change for both of us and the world. And we took a break during that time to kind of reevaluate things. And I went into this really painful shame spiral Mm. and, you know, just was thinking about, Oh my gosh, like, what does this mean? What does this say about me? If we're, having these problems. I was having this like really difficult time with it. And my therapist encouraged me to listen to a meditation that she had created around self-love and self-worth. I listened to this meditation for over a week, probably four or five times a day. (laughs) I would listen to it. I would cry. I would you know, it was all about saying like your lovability, you're so lovable, you're worthy of things, you know? So it's kind of affirmation meditation. Yeah. I listened to it, listened to it, listened to it. And then this one night, it was probably three o'clock in the morning. I was crying on my couch and in the meditation, it says you came into this world as the most lovable being as a baby, Mm. if you think about a baby, it's the most lovable, worthy thing. And you're still lovable and worthy. And something finally, it was like a major shift in my mind of, oh my God, of course I'm still lovable. (laughs) I'm, I am that I'm still that being. And somehow I just, I couldn't hear it or let that in for every other time I'd listened to it. And I had this major realization that I've had this very deeply rooted belief, very unconscious to me that I wasn't lovable and I wasn't worthy. Mm. And when I actually had this shift in me, I just could not stop crying. I could not stop crying and like a weird, happy, joyful, painful cry where I was like, holy shit. Like this has been impacting every single thing in my life. Mm -hmm. And I reflected on the voice, you know, I'd be at a friend's wedding and think, oh, I would, I could never have this. Mm. Or where I'm, you know, a little kid on the playground and someone didn't want to play with me. And I'm like, well, of course, because, you know, I'm not yeah. blank enough. I'm not pretty enough or fun enough or yeah. um, I'm poor, I'm not popular, whatever it was. And I just had all these flashes of those moments of that voice in my head. And I had this really beautiful, tender moment with my inner child when I had this like breakthrough at three in the morning on my couch. That was, that's not true. 
That's Mm. actually, it's not true. And that was something that little me made up to keep myself smaller and safe growing up in the house that I did. That was not always safe. And I had very minimal personal boundaries Mm -hmm. um, and experienced a lot of verbal, emotional abuse. And that's what little me decided was true in order to stay, stay small and safe in that experience. But it was your armor. It was, it was my armor Yeah. or just like, well, yeah, these things that must be true. I must be unlovable if this is how I'm being treated. So my own self-worth, my own lovability was just so much lower and I had no idea that that was kind of running the show. Mm. So I became aware of it, had this major shift and breakthrough. And then I was like, oh shit, like, how do I change this? Yeah, what now? So exactly what you're saying, this like kind of what now? And for me, it was these like very incremental shifts and changes. And it wasn't until, you know, it was realizing this, then it was me starting to put boundaries in place. That was kind of my big step. Um, If anyone is ever curious about boundary setting and what that means and um, how to do that and a phenomenal book called setting boundaries will set you free by Nancy Levin. I read that shortly after this time and it really changed my life. Um, I started setting boundaries. I started, you know, doing daily affirmations. Could you share um, maybe one or two of those boundaries? Like what, what did, what did that amount to? What did they look like? Yeah. So for me, um, one of them was actually with my ex partner. I, a major life goal of mine and what feels like the most authentic thing I want is to have a family and to be a mom. And with my partners, I typically am always, you know, tell them I want this, but I'm always like, what do you think? When do you want this? You know, I'm always external referencing. Mm. And during that time, I didn't even realize when I was talking to my therapist, she said, well, when do you want that? Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. I've like literally never thought of it. Cause I'm like, well, what do you want? And I'll adapt. What do you want? I'll adapt. And she said, you need to decide when you want that. And then set a boundary to say, and not, I don't want people to confuse a boundary with an ultimatum because I mean, I guess they, in a way, sometimes they can be that, but more so this is something that is so important to me. And at the end of the day, my happiness is my responsibility, not yours. But this is something that I, this is my truth. This is what I would like and set that so that then someone else can come to the table to say, that's also my truth. That's not my truth, whatever it may be. So one boundary was with my partner of when I wanted to start a family, um, obviously we're no longer together. So a consequence of that is over many, many months, because it wasn't an immediate um, breakup, but that we decided to not be together. And then comically, he actually came back and now to say, let's have a baby. So anyway, that's (laughs) another podcast episode, but that was one. And I also set one with my father Mm. um, with unsolicited advice. Um, he, (laughs) when I do, he typically only contacts me if he needs something from me or needs me to do something for one of my siblings. Yeah. And then I learned very long ago to not, you know, bring in, share things with him about my personal life, but I wanted to start trying to do that when I would, um, immediately it's like, you're stupid for doing that. You should do this. You should do that other thing, you know, without even hearing me or listening or understanding why I chose a decision. Yeah. Um, so for example, at the beginning of the pandemic, I quit my corporate job to do my own HR consulting. 
I told my parents, so I didn't get their input about it before I did it, told my parents and my dad said, this is the stupidest thing you've ever done. I've Mm. never been more disappointed in you. I thought you were the one kid I could count on or not have to worry about that you can make good decisions and clearly you can't. Mm. So obviously not what you want to hear. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Oh, that's that's, yeah. Yeah. No, it's unfortunate. Honestly, it's unfortunate for him. I feel at this place more sadness in a way for my dad with these kinds of situations because I'm like, wow, what an missed opportunity to connect with me. Um, But so going back to the boundaries, you know, what I would like in those situations is to ask me, what made you do that? What, what are you excited about? What are you scared about? You know, ask Mm. me questions to understand why I did something before immediately placing an opinion on me. And so I told him like, Hey, when you, when this happens, this is how it makes me feel. And moving forward, I, I want to be able to share things with you because otherwise I'll just be shutting you out. It it's important to me to have some sort of relationship with you. So if you want to be involved, this is how that will look for me. And that's what will make me feel safe and still loving of myself and being able to be in relationship with you. Um, yeah. So essentially I've told him that, and he's actually more or less done a pretty good job of respecting it and asking me questions when I do share decisions I've made in my life. Um, so that's a positive, but I've shared with him, you know, if you start to give me your opinions when they're not asked for, (laughs) I I will just end the conversation. Wow. Yeah. Good for you. That's thank you. Those are hard boundaries. Really hard boundaries. Boundaries are hard, but ultimately, you know, you mentioned earlier that it's not an ultimatum. To me, a boundary is love. To me, a boundary is defining what well, first of all, it's defining what fills us up. And it's meeting ourselves where we are so we can then do that for others, right? Right. It's like defi- it's like figure- being curious about what you need and what fills you up in order to uh, proceed more uh, richly and sort of aligned with who you are, right? And uh, they're not always uh, taken in that way. You know, sometimes they're taken in ways that are... Uh, met with a lot of uh, derision or uh, defiance or anger or whatever. I've I've met with a lot of that in my own family, and uh, it's not easy. And you know the type of person you are, who is a sensitive person who grew up in a world that maybe felt uh, unsafe in your sensitivity. I relate to that deeply, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, boundaries for us essential. Uh, otherwise it's self-immolation. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think such a big learning through the boundaries work was, you know, when you, you're the one that crosses your own boundaries, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have so much more power than we even realize. And it is such a form of self-love. And so often, especially in the beginning. I would say to my therapist, I'm like, am I even allowed to ask for this? She's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Of course you are. But that totally goes back again to like the worthiness, the lovability, or what I think gives me love or doesn't give me love from others. And so much of my work in the last couple of years is how can I love myself so much so that I can better love others too. Because if I'm constantly in resentment or anxiety or whatever it is, I can't show up for others in the same way. And really a major focus for me is not abandoning myself Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, you know, I am who I have in my life. I will always have like other people in my life that love me and that I love and connection and community and belonging is so important 
But if I don't have that with myself, where does that leave me? You know, I, I think then I act out of inauthentic spaces, you know, and trying to bend and mold myself to fit in to get some sort of approval or acceptance versus really living in my authenticity and power. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I have this space that I'm giving from that's pure love. Like it's not out of need Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Yeah. You're recognizing uh, at the foundational level that you deserve to be seen by yourself, right? Yes. Um, Yeah. It's huge. It's, it's, I think it's the root of everything, right? We don't do that for ourselves. We're not going to do it for others. (laughs) Yeah. Again, and as you know, so many of so many of our systems, uh, certainly some of the systems that I was raised in, Christianity being one of them, a lot of just blind uh, cell, blind service, a mm. blind service to the detriment to the to the eternal detriment of yourself, right? Like it's it's in many ways there's like uh, there's a valuing of that self-immolation um mm-hmm. and a valuing of abandoning self in in a lot of mm-hmm. systems certainly that one oh yeah um and as i yeah as i sort of grow and and expand and be more curious like that's that's what i'm coming to too is like how can i be more of me and what does that look like um and as I do that work, like I, I am, sh- I'm showing actively that I can show up for others in deeper ways, and it's beautiful, yeah. right? Yes, yeah, totally. Oh, it's so interesting because it is what's coming up for me when you say that too is almost this radical self acceptance of all parts of us. Mm-hmm. You know, the the dark parts, the difficult parts, the painful parts, the parts that those systems cause us to cast away, as well as the, the positive things as well. But when you can really see those aspects of yourself and humanize yourself more, then the ability to humanize others and and see others for their whole humanity also expands. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I totally agree with that. It's really interesting. I've been um, thinking about compassion a lot lately, and I've been reading. <clears throat> I never know how to say her name. Pima Chodron. Pima Chodron. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of her books. It's like small little excerpts, a hundred and eight of them, and I've been trying to read them each day and. It talks about how, you know, compassion is really seeing someone else in the exact same space as you, that we are in the exact same level. I don't feel bad for you. I don't, you know, whatever it is, but I see you as this other being and I see your joy. I see your pain. I see your jealousy or envy or anger or whatever. And I, can feel like, yeah, me too. I I'm here with you. I'm also this human being. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I, I want to show up for you. I want to take action in some way. Mm -hmm. And I think what's so beautiful about that is it's so hard to do that. If you don't again, see yourself as that full human being. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even going back to my experience with this sh- shame, worthiness, lovability, I go and going back to the roots is this last spring of 2021 and beginning of summer, I experienced my first, what I would say, like very real depressive episode. Mm. I'm typically, I run more anxious than, Mm -hmm. uh, that's just been my, my (laughs) high functioning anxious person. Yeah. And 
I experienced this like massive depressive episode where I could barely move. I couldn't eat. If I would try to eat, like food didn't taste the same. It was so scary, to be honest. It was really, really scary. And what I believe was happening for me on a spiritual standpoint, because I, you know, for a couple of weeks was in that space, it wasn't getting better. And I felt like I'd been on this long descent and it kept going. And I've never taken, you know, um, antidepressant or anti-anxiety medication. And I was like, wow, I feel like maybe I need that right now. I don't know. You know, I was trying to do all of my things like meditating and crying when I needed to and trying to, you know, whatever it was talking to friends and things weren't shifting. And I said, you know, I think maybe the most loving thing I could do for myself right now is to explore some sort of medication so that I can focus on healing and work and what have you. I also want to disclaim, this is my personal experience. I've seen antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications completely change my friends' lives for the positive, like save people's lives. I so support them and whatever people need to do. I just wanted to mention that because I tried one and it did not feel right. And my, I had like really weird reactions to it. And I tried a different one also had really weird reactions. And I hit this point, like, wow, I'm not even able to like use a medication right now. It was making the situation a lot worse for me. Mm. And I went through the like craziest moment where I woke up in the middle of the night, this one night, and my whole body was tremoring and Mm. shaking. And this was, I had, I wasn't taking any of the medication and the worst like feeling of shame and this kind of like voice of you're pathetic. You like, look at you, you can't even deal with, you know, at the time I was going through my breakup, like you can't even deal with this breakup. Like, how could you ever be a mom? You know, like all Mm. these, like the meanest, like shamey, unlovable were unworthy things. Yeah. And it was so interesting because at that time I just like really grounded myself. I felt something was coming on earlier in the day. So I asked a couple of my family members if they could stay the night with me and like bring the dogs over. So I could just Mm -hmm. like have a lot of love around me. And I like put my, this is so silly, but I put my foot onto one of the dog's paws Mm. and I was like, I am so safe. I'm so loved. I'm surrounded by love right now. And this isn't true. This voice actually isn't true. And my entire body stopped tremoring and it just completely relaxed. And then I like fell asleep in this great sleep. Hmm. And then for a couple of days that, that depression was still on me. And then it just lifted literally just like a, it was so bizarre. And I felt like for me, I actually had to, that was me pulling out the final like moldy roots in a weird way of that unlovability and worthiness and shame. Yeah. But also through that experience, I felt like my capacity to have compassion for other people grew exponentially mm-hmm. because when I was going through it, I, this was to make me emotional, but. I had so much empathy for people that deal with depression. And I also just, I didn't want, I had this like visceral feeling of, I never want anyone to feel alone Hmm. because I think when dealing with difficult things, one of the worst parts is it can feel so lonely and scary. And I almost wanted to let people know like, Hey, I, I dealt with this thing. If you are ever dealing with this thing, please talk to me just so that you know, you're not alone and we're not alone. And 
I, you know, fast forward uh, since that experience, like I've kind of been back on this ascent. And of course I deal with frustrating feelings, anger, anxiety, sad days, good days, all of that, but nothing like what I was in. And when I was reading this book around compassion and different things, this chapter was on bodhicitta, which is a Sanskrit word for the awakened heart or the warrior heart. And it's essentially like our pure, our pure heart, our pure love, the thing that is like of the divine matter Mm. that is within all of us. And we, you know, create all these walls to protect ourselves, but that puts barriers in between our ability to experience this awakened heart. And really part of the awakened heart is to feel pain is to experience that. And I had this really interesting thought about what if, you know, in order to, we have to feel pain so that no one has to feel pain alone. Hmm. And in that lies true compassion, because if I hadn't actually felt that pain and went through it, I am so less able to sit in pain with others. And compassion is again to like see each other as equals and take action on that. Yeah. And in that experience for myself of why I never want anyone to feel alone in this, just my ability, I think, to love myself more and love others more grew exponentially. Wow. Did, did that, was that clear? Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. It makes perfect sense. I, I, I am just grateful for you to share it. That's beautiful. And I, I mean, Mary, that is, that is the path, right? Like that is the purpose. I mean, we live these lives, we experience things and we don't do it in a vacuum. Yeah. Right. We're not, we're not beacons of strength. We are strength because of each other, because yes. of one another, right? Um, and you know, to have that moment and 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 sort of bring up others who have had that similar experience. I have that experience a lot. <laughs> mm. uh, it's it's beautiful, and I I think it speaks to the the awareness work and the expansive work and the, the work you do in DEI and HR, like that is all human work, right? Human centered, human heart focused work. Right. So you have muscles for it. Right. And it just sort of popped in there and it's, that's beautiful. I love that. Thank you. It was interesting because, you know, I think our society is so focused on independence. And also, you know, I think that things are shifting and changing a lot with talking about mental health, but still a little bit taboo or uncomfortable, especially depending on your circle of friends or where in the country you are, whatever it is, or in the world. Um, But really this focus on interdependence, I think is so important and true compassion for each other. And what was fascinating. It was like almost an unknown social experiment that I did (laughs) was after this time or when I was in the depression, I posted on my Instagram story. I was making friendship bracelets at the time. And I posted like, Hey, you know, everyone I've gone through a really hard period and have experienced some depression. You know, I thankfully have a lot of loved ones and friends and family supporting I just want you to know if you ever have these feelings of being alone or in this dark time, please know that you're not alone and we're all connected. We all need each other. And um, just to give you a reminder of being connected, if you want one, I'll make you a friendship bracelet. (laughs) And it was so fascinating because so many people, there is like, to, you know, some people sent like hearts or just like, I love you, you know, whatever it was. Some people said, wow, you're so brave for saying this. And then some people 
said things like, oh no, oh gosh, Mary, like I, you know, um, let me know if you need like a therapist, let me know if, um, what was the other thing people were saying? It was almost like those were the fixers. The fixers, the fixers. They're like, no, just you're not alone. You know this, like, or oh my gosh, Mary, you know, like just kind of wanting to fix it. And it was so fascinating to me because I'm like, oh, do you never feel down or alone sometimes? Or you know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. like in this post I was sharing, like, yeah, I felt this thing. And I know, you know, I have a lot of love and support and I'm, you know, whatever. And just, you know, you're not alone. Like none of us are truly alone if we like open up to each other. And it was also amazing how many people then shared with me their own struggles. And we're like, thank you so much for saying this. I've actually been feeling really alone um, or, you know, I've experienced my own dark episodes and here are some things that help me like, let's, you know, and they would like, text me and check in. It was this really beautiful thing, but the ones who were so clearly uncomfortable with it or viewed it as like, you know, were sympathetic to it, but not compassionate or really the empathetic part. And it's nothing wrong with them or they're not bad for that or anything like that. And in a lot of times in my life, I'm sure I've shown up in ways like that too. Sure. Um, But it was really fascinating. Yeah. And it takes a lot of the self-reflection, self-awareness work, the roots work, the unearthing work that we've been talking about. Right. Uh, Because, yeah, I've experienced that myself, and and I think I can make an assumption, right? But there's so much at play. There's fear, there's anxiety, there's just, Mm -hmm. maybe they just had a history of like, that's not what you talked about, right? Growing up, and that's, that's, that's their own armor they haven't shed yet, right? Um, yeah, I love that. And I, I know we have a, just a little bit of time here. I, I am so curious now that you're sort of doing this HR work, how are you bringing this part of yourself and this sort of expansive unearthing self and power into that HR space? Mm, I literally led a workshop on boundary setting at work. Excellent. Yeah. So that that was, that was a big one. I, yeah, I helped walk people through like how you set boundaries. How do you know if you need to set a boundary, um, especially with work and saying like examples of things. And that really initiated a lot of interesting conversation and, um, cool things. So I'm, I'm always focused on that or, you know, when we're doing performance management or different things, like how can we be compassionate? Uh, another thing, this is like a really, really simple thing, but we have rolled out at my company well-being wins. So, you know, in any area of well-being, whether it's physical, financial, emotional work, what have you, mm-hmm. these well-being wins. And so people are like, oh, you know, ran a 5k, um, bought a house, you know, like awesome things. And for the first one he did, I actually shared that I haven't had a self-critical thought in a month and I've been working a lot on that. And it was just bringing in those elements. It was so cool. So many people reached out to me afterward, like, wow, thank you for sharing that. That was so cool. Or like asking me questions about it. So I think just opening opening yourself up in that way of things that typically aren't discussed or talked about. Yep. Um, so yeah. And then of course, just in any of my conversations with people as much as I can being open and compassionate and um, coming at them from like a human level and standpoint and not like HR. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, no one yeah. likes the HRP. I mean, that's the that's the cliche, right? Is like no one wants to deal with HR or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I ask. I'm so curious about it because you know I'm doing this work, feeling human, and I lead empathy workshops and things like that, and and that's my realm, and I can sort of show up in all the ways that I love to, and and then you know in my work at SPI, it's like. I'm making baby steps. I'm making little baby steps into a space that is 
rooted in toxic positivity and, mm. and capitalism and white supremacy and all these systems that just like really deny us of self, right? Mm. Um, and so I'm making little incremental steps, but it's frustrating. It's, I, I feel defeated at times. Mm-hmm. I feel disheartened at times. I feel like there's a step forward and then there's a few steps back sometimes. Yeah. And I think that's the nature of the space I'm in. It's also the nature of the fact that it's a team that's been around for a time and there's a precedence and there's a legacy, right? Um, so I'm, I'm just, I, I say that to reflect back to you and say like, very grateful you're doing the work that you're doing mm-hmm. and creating that kind of atmosphere for people. Thank you. Yeah. Likewise to you. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. Um, okay. Let's uh, transition out of here and talk about empathy heroes. Okay. So people Ooh. in our lives who are empathetic, compassionate, feely, uh, could even be characters from stories, Mary. Uh, I will go first. My empathy hero this week is uh, the uh, filmmaker Jane Campion. Uh, She is a Kiwi. She's from New Zealand. And uh, she hadn't made a film in a while, but she just wrote and directed a film that's on Netflix right now called The Power of the Dog. Mm. And it's it's very good. It's with Benedict Cumberbatch and Jesse Plemons and Kirsten Dunst and Cody Smith-McPhee. And it's it's really about what I took from it. It's about masculinity and it's about sort of the armor of toxic masculinity and what that looks like. It's set in, I think, the late 1850s uh, in like Montana. And uh, it's hard to watch at times, but it's mm. stunning. It's beautiful. It's emotionally resonant. Uh and um, it's a, I think it's a deeply compassionate film. So I, I wanted to shout that at, uh, shout that out uh, as Jane Campion, my empathy hero this week. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I wrote it down. Uh, so do I share mine now? Yes. Okay. The first one that came to my mind and such a fangirl is Brené Brown. Oh, she yeah. will be my. The best. Yeah. I'll say compassion, empathy hero right now. I just got her Atlas of the Heart book. Mm. Uh, if those that don't know, it's essentially a map to human emotions. And it's so cool because the way she's broken it out is like the places you go when things are going well, and it will list different emotions. And then the place as you go in times of uncertainty and list emotions and helps you really understand the differences between emotions. Mm -hmm. And through that, I think we can better understand ourselves and better understand other people. And I love that she has created this map to help people be more emotionally literate because in her research, when she was talking to people and asking about emotions, interviewed thousands of people she asked them to share their, you know, list all the emotions you go through and feel on a given day. Yep. The average number that people listed of all the emotions was three. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're only working in happy, sad, mad, how much are you limiting your experience? How much are you limiting others' experiences? And not honoring all these nuanced and beautiful different parts of ourselves. So mm-hmm. she's definitely my hero for that this so, week. Yeah. I mean, Brene Brown is, I think, like Hall of Fame uh, empathy hero totally. in, on, on this show and in life. Yeah. That's a book that I need to pick up still. But um, yeah, she's the best. I love her. Yeah. I'm just praying, praying, praying that I have some sort of run in with her in Texas. Oh my goodness. Wouldn't that, I mean, I almost want to just like move to Texas myself and, I, and right? just for that specific reason, maybe Jenny Lawson as well uh, would be cool. Um, yes. And then obviously uh, Katya Litsky, uh, my dear friend Katya. But um, mm-hmm. uh, 
Mary, thank you for doing this. Where where can the feely humans out there uh, learn more about the work you're doing and connect with you? Gosh, I don't, I don't even know. I'm private on Instagram. We haven't built out our unearth retreats into like a big website yet. But if this resonates really with anyone and people want to chat more with me, if they reach out to you and you please feel free to give them my email. Okay. Great. Lovely. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being a part of Yumi Empathy. Yes. Thank you for having me. It was so wonderful. You're very welcome. And to you listeners, as I say, I'm here, you're here. We're here together on this wayward, overwhelming, awe-inspiring, pale blue dot. We have each other. It's Yumi Empathy.